This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, President Biden reveals his 2024 budget proposal. Hear what senators from both sides of the aisle have to say about it. Masked men broke into a New York City restaurant and smashed property. Now the NYPD is asking for help to bring them in. We have newly released footage of the vandalism. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin wades into some hot-button issues. Last night's town hall focused on education, an issue which propelled him to the governor's chair. New York City Mayor Eric Adams has released a blueprint on handling the illegal immigration crisis in the city. What will it look like and will it work? We spoke to the Center for Immigration Studies. And we take you on a tour of a hidden gem in New York City, a vintage plate museum that some people say is better than the Met. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is March 10th and we have finally made it to Friday. Today we start with President Biden. He unveiled his 2024 budget plan yesterday. He vowed to raise taxes on the wealthy, increase spending and reduce the federal deficit. NTD's Jeremy Zandberg has more on the president's proposal. When we do these projects, we're going to buy Americans. The third budget of Biden's presidency would increase federal spending to $6.8 trillion for the fiscal year of 2024. That's up from $6.2 trillion spent in fiscal year 2023. He's requesting an $842 billion budget for the Department of Defense, $26 billion more than last year's enacted budget. We're going to export product and bring jobs home. The president says his plan covers all sorts of investments in manufacturing, education, and health care. Where is it written that America can't lead the world again in manufacturing? Never underestimate what America can do. We can do anything we set our minds to do. Biden says the funding will also be used to hire more police officers across the country and put more money towards their training and support. I don't want to defund them. They need more help. To pay for it all, he's proposing around $5 trillion in tax increases on high-income earners and corporations over the next 10 years. The plan includes a 25% minimum tax on Americans with over $100 million. This consists of all their income, including appreciated assets. Biden suggests increasing the corporate tax rate from 21% to 28%, quadrupling the stock buyback tax from 1% to 4%, and roll back some corporate tax breaks enacted in 2017. He also wants to raise taxes for anyone earning more than $400,000 a year. Administration officials believe that increasing taxes on the wealthy can help fund the president's spending priorities. They project it would slash the federal deficit by nearly $3 trillion over the next decade. But the current budget presentation would raise next year's deficit to $1.8 trillion. Total U.S. debt would rise to nearly 110% of annual GDP in 2033, a figure that rivals the peaks during the country's mobilization for World War II. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. President Biden's budget stands little to no chance of passing the Republican-led House. Regardless, Biden says he's ready to sit down with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and go through it line by line. He's hoping for some common ground and wants to find out what they can agree on. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has reactions from senators on the proposal. 
Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says in regards to Biden's budget, the ball is in the GOP's court. Where is your plan? Whether it's on putting together a budget or avoiding default, we have no plan from Speaker McCarthy. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says the president was slow to present his proposal. We'll analyze his budget and then we'll get to work on our budget. But unfortunately, the president being so far delayed delays us in this process as well. A joint statement from McCarthy and other GOP leaders calls Biden's budget plan reckless. They say it doubles down on the same far-left spending policies that led to record inflation and the current debt crisis. Democrats are lauding the plan. And we're going to say to the folks at the very top, hey, you can contribute a little bit more to something that is beneficial to everyone. We need to invest in national defense. We need to cut the deficit as he is doing and the debt and make sure that we fulfill all of our obligations to invest in our industrial base. Republican Senator Josh Hawley was asked if Biden's budget plan was dead on arrival. 100 percent, absolutely. Senator John Kennedy says the president shouldn't take it personally if it's shot down. Most presidential budgets are DOA in the, in the Senate. We like to do our own work. Kennedy says any president's budget in modern times has become more of a messaging bill than anything else. He is saying to his base, look, um, you know what I believe in? Even bigger government, higher taxes, more spending, more regulation, more debt. When President Biden was asked if he should even bother introducing the new budget amid Republican opposition, he had this to say. Watch me. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. The cybersecurity breach of congressional members' health insurance records turns out to be far more extensive than previously thought. The sergeant-at-arms alerted Senate staff to, to the extent of the D.C. Health Link breach on Thursday. The compromised data is set to include sensitive information like Social Security numbers and home addresses. House and Senate staff members have been encouraged to freeze their family credit to guard against fraud and identity theft. D.C. Health Link says it has started a comprehensive investigation of the incident and is working with law enforcement. One online forum claims that the hack includes data from 170,000 people, but that has not been verified. The FBI is one of the lead agencies trying to find out how all the personal health data ended up on the dark web. It's been a month since a Norfolk Southern train derailed in Ohio, spilling toxic chemicals in the air and water. On Thursday, senators questioned the CEO of the company, Alan Shaw. But before the hearing started, another Norfolk Southern train derailed in Alabama. Entity's Jason Perry has the story. I want to begin today by expressing how deeply sorry I am for the impact this derailment has had on the residents of East Palestine and the surrounding communities. Shaw said he's determined to make it right. In terms of community support, we have announced direct investments of over $21 million. We have provided support to more than 4,400 families through Norfolk Southern's Family Assistance Center. To be clear, there are no strings attached to our assistance. And just after Shaw explained how committed he was to safety, this happened. Mr. Shaw, the news is reporting that there's just been a significant derailment in Alabama of one of your trains. I certainly hope that all of your team and the, anybody in the vicinity um, is safe and well. Um, you may need to look into that. 
That was Norfolk Southern's third train derailment since February. The Calhoun County Sheriff's Office confirmed that about 30 empty train cars came off the tracks and there were no injuries or risks of hazardous materials. And Senator Alex Padilla thought the derailments could boil down to this. He said Norfolk Southern has decreased its workforce by 40 percent since 2015. According to the AFL-CIO's Transportation Trades Department, the amount of time carmen have to inspect each car in a train has been reduced by two-thirds from three minutes to now just 60 seconds per car. Because I can imagine that uh, this gives us the confidence that carmen have the time to conduct that thorough inspection to identify or find any potential defects before the cars are sent back into service. And to me, it just falls into the greater pattern that we've seen for the past decade. Workforce overall reducing, uh, corporate compensations to stock buybacks on the upswing when uh, the workforce that keeps the trains running and running safe is what's being compromised. Shaw said that if they need to hire more workers to improve the inspections, he would do so. Jason Perry, NTD News. In New York City, police are investigating after a group of masked men broke into a restaurant and smashed property. NYPD now releasing footage and asking for help. On Saturday, March 4th, a group of roughly 20 men stormed into a restaurant in Queens, New York and broke tables, chairs and dishes. They covered their faces with masks and hoodies. The restaurant said the damaged property value is around $20,000. They came in and then went out in less than a minute. We had no idea what was happening. We called the police and they came and took the surveillance footage. The NYPD released the following surveillance footage and asked for tips identifying the suspects. Police are now encouraging customers to take off their masks when entering businesses. The trained police officers that are going to be coming to the business location and they're going to conduct an assessment of the business and their vulnerabilities. At the end of this, they're going to get a detailed report. The restaurant is trying to move on from the incident, but the manager said they fear the group might return. The head of the Flushing Business Improvement District advised businesses to call the police immediately if they run into a similar situation. Let the police know, let the mayor know, that the community isn't as safe as before. They will send more officers, more people to protect our community. The NYPD is asking anyone with information to call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-577-TIPS. Governor Glenn Youngkin tackled a bunch of issues yesterday in a live town hall on CNN. The focus was public education. And today's Daniel Monahan has this report. It's about patriotism. Governor Glenn Youngkin criticized some Virginia schools for not promptly notifying National Merit Commended students. The schools allegedly wanted to avoid offending those who did not achieve such results. We have to celebrate excellence. We shouldn't embrace equity at the expense of excellence. Youngkin chastised who he called left liberal Democrats who reportedly kicked a woman off the state school board for saying schools should teach about the Constitution and Declaration of Independence. We should understand where we've come from. We should understand our founding documents. And yes, we should say the Pledge of Allegiance. The Virginia governor also waded into transgender issues. His administration's guidelines say students must use the bathrooms of their biological gender. The same goes for competing on sports teams. Youngkin offered a peace pipe of extra gender-neutral bathrooms, but on sports had this to say, quote, 
Sports are very clear. I don't think it's controversial. I don't think that biological boys should be playing sports with biological girls. Youngkin added there have been decades of effort to gain opportunities for women in sports and that it's just not fair. The Virginia governor also spoke to a mom who lost her 15-year-old son to fentanyl. He said overdoses and poisonings have gone through the roof and believes the overdose antidote Narcan can play a bigger role. I would encourage everybody to go through Narcan training. Uh, I've gone through it. Youngkin says certification is fast and easy. He added that Virginia will place more finances in its budget to ensure that Narcan is available in schools. Youngkin kept a positive demeanor throughout the town hall. He made an effort to defuse possibly tense exchanges by finding common ground. Speculation has been growing around Youngkin launching a 2024 presidential bid. A Roanoke College poll recently showed the governor with a 57% approval rating. The same poll showed President Biden's approval at 38%. Among independent voters, Yunkin beats the president 54% to 35%. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Seven people were killed in the German city of Hamburg on Thursday. The incident happened at a Jehovah's Witness church. The motive for the attack is still unknown. Tactical teams stormed the building after they received a call around 9 p.m. Police say a shot rang out from the building as officers arrived and a dead person was found upstairs who they believe may be the shooter. A spokesperson said late Thursday they were still hunting for answers. The context and scope around what happened is still unclear. It happened in a building of the Jehovah's Witnesses, but the reasons are still completely unclear. Authorities continued to seal off nearby streets and performed body searches on people. Local newspapers report that at least seven people were killed, while eight others were injured. The mayor of Hamburg said he extended his deepest sympathy to the families of the victims. He assured that forces are working at full speed to pursue perpetrators and clarify the background. Germany has been shaken by a number of shootings in the last few years. Still to come, New York City Mayor Eric Adams released a new blueprint to handle the illegal immigration crisis in his city. What will it look like and will it work? We find out more after the break. Welcome back. New York City Mayor Eric Adams released a new blueprint to handle the illegal immigration crisis in his city. The road forward will include a new 24-7 arrival center and plans to resettle immigrants in other parts of the state and country, among other things. According to the New York Post, New York City is now spending around $5 million a day for asylum seekers. A spokeswoman for the mayor said that's around $364 per household. I spoke to Jessica Vaughn, the director of policy studies for the Center for Immigration Studies to find out more about the situation. Taxpayers are forking over tens of millions of dollars to put the migrants who are arriving up in some of the nicer hotels in Manhattan. And uh, they've also set up some shelters over in Brooklyn. 
and this is expensive. And um, Mayor Adams was complaining about it for a while, thinking that the city was going to have to fund the cost of this. But as it turns out, the federal government under the Biden administration is willing to foot the bill for this, which means all of us are paying to put these migrants up in cushy hotels in Manhattan that many Americans would love to have the chance to do themselves for a vacation, but aren't able to. And that's a problem. And um, it, you know, this is coming from a federal pot of money that was intended for homeless people to help out um, disabled people, the elderly, veterans, and now it is being spent on illegal migration that could be stopped at the border. And there are gonna be more costs down the line for medical care, for schooling and other social services for this unprecedented influx of people. Right, and um, now how successful is uh, New York City in that case just in getting a roof over the heads of the migrants with that? And I mean, how many still are stuck in the streets? Well, there seem to be thousands of them that are currently being cared for by the city. Um, the more and more keep pouring in all the time. A few have left for Canada, uh, but Canada doesn't seem to want them to come either. Um, so there is an overflow that is happening. And already the, the homeless shelters in Manhattan, uh, they were already overwhelmed. And now the hotels are filling up and uh, they can't set up um, any tent shelters quickly enough. So they're starting to spill over into the streets. And that becomes a really big problem because at that point, uh, the human traffickers will start to prey on the migrants and offer to help them and lure them into uh, either a sex trafficking or forced labor situation because the migrants will be desperate at that point. And that is when the problems start to happen, uh, where they get sucked into some kind of indentured servitude or uh, sex trafficking or slavery. And um, that is when they become very, very vulnerable to exploitation and abuse. And frankly, the city is too overwhelmed to really be policing that as much as, much as it should be. And, um, you know, it, it could become even more volatile than it already is. It's that's horrible. And Mayor Eric Adams just announced a new blueprint for the crisis called the Road Forward. So with with a shift to longer term strategies, basically, and what changes do you expect to come from that? Well, this blueprint that the mayor has announced um, seems pretty unworkable to me. What he's talking about doing is enrolling these migrants in, in uh, job training programs. But the problem is, is that most of them aren't eligible to work here. They're illegal migrants, and some of them may get work permits from the Biden administration, but they have to apply for those, and it's going to take some time. And he's talking about putting them in training programs, for example, for commercial driver's licenses and in restaurants and hotels, but they aren't authorized to work. And it, if he does succeed in this, it, you know, I think there's some concern about how prepared these migrants would be to take on these jobs. And it's only going to attract more and more people to the city, which is going to create more costs for taxpayers and problems for New Yorkers.
Mm, very interesting. Well, thank you so much for your analysis. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Jessica Vaughn. Good to talk with you. Next up, we take you on a tour of a hidden gem in New York City, a vintage plate museum that some say is even better than the Met. And forget modern lawn mowing in the ancient city of Pompeii, sheep are taking care of landscape preservation the traditional way. We have more on that after the break. Better than the Met. That's what some visitors say of a vintage plate museum hidden above a New York City store. Let's take a look. But somebody made this beautiful die cut with that little mechanism. This is a collection of dishware that we literally excavated from the Bowery in New York City 36 years ago. And when we found these dishes, they were already sitting there for 75 years. There's the crystal hamburgers. I started bringing people up a little more officially during COVID. Um, we needed to do something, you know, that was a little, I don't know, maybe a little more entertaining. I didn't have a lot of dishes on the floor. We weren't sure what we were doing as far as even the direction of Fish Zetti at that point. Um, but we're still here. This is my favorite plate. It's LaGuardia Airport. And it's not that I ever wanted to have a dish store or I mean, even like, I just remember working very hard to not do dishes <laughs> growing up. But uh, when we found them, we could see that these were pieces of historical significance. Here's a plate we're never gonna clean. We're also talking about an industry that does not exist anymore. It's over. So during COVID, one of the last manufacturers standing called us and said, we're gonna close our food service. And this is technically called food service. The quality is incredible and the shapes and it's um, non-porous and vitrified and it's really great stuff. I mean, the floor downstairs on the store, in the store is wood and we just do a mug drop all the time. This isn't a cup, it's a weapon. A lot of people don't think about, you know, if you go to a diner and you have a cup of coffee and people don't think about like who made that and where it's from and how many people touched it, you know, because a lot of this stuff, it, it goes into a factory and so it's made with so much love. And I have such an appreciation for that. And I think, you know, that's one thing we try to share in the museum. Man, that really is a hidden gem. You know, I actually stumbled in once but I just wish I would have known they actually have a second floor. I had no idea. Yeah, definitely. They should promote it. And, you know, I actually have a hand-painted plate, and I put it up on my wall. Yeah. I mean, got to appreciate those handmade crafts, right? Yes. <laughs> and now we're going to go over to Italy. On the archaeological site of Pompeii, sheep are helping out with a different approach to grassland preservation. The animals have been tasked with keeping an area of the ancient city looking its best. Here's Entity's Cost Temines. Roughly 150 sheep are grazing in an unexplored section of the ancient ruins. It comes as part of a sustainable agriculture initiative implemented to protect the site from growing vegetation. The vegetation is beautiful, but it's also it can be also a problem for the ruins if, if grass and, and other plants grow in or on the ancient walls and houses, this is a problem. So we try to have a, um, a sustainable approach 
to the whole environment in order also to avoid using substances. Zuchtriegel says the approach doesn't just preserve the landscape, but also saves money. And it provides a glimpse of how things were in the past. It's also something um, uh, which really gives an idea of, of how Pompeii was in the, in the time when it was rediscovered. It was um, uh, woods, um, vineyards, um, sheep, and, and it was this kind of rural environment. And in the midst of that you had Pompeii. Pompeii was totally forgotten over the centuries. The method of using grazing sheep to control the growing vegetation is not new. It was used even in antiquity. When this breaks away and, and traditional forms of agriculture are not, um, uh, are not practiced anymore, then you actually see that the whole landscape starts to change, often in a negative way. Excavations on the 160-acre site began around 250 years ago. Around two-thirds have so far been uncovered. The city, which was completely buried after the Mount Vesuvius eruption in 79 AD, offers a unique glimpse into everyday life in an ancient Roman town. Kostemenes, NTD News. I like that they're not using modern technology in that ancient town, you know, and it, it seems like um, sheep and goats are making a comeback now. <laughs> it's getting more common and maybe you can even think about putting some sheep in your backyard. Oh, Apparently, yeah. I googled this for you, you only need three for every half acre. Oh wow, that's an interesting tidbit. And yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the sheep are really playing a dual purpose. They're eating down that grass and they're adding to the beauty of the scenery. Yeah, for sure, I agree. All right, that's today's program for this week, actually. This week's program, we'd love to hear from you. You can share your thoughts, and if you have a story, share them with us, too, at goodmorning at ntd.com. Write us if you want. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.